the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who came to us as vulnerable so that we could stand before Him without shame. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this Palm Sunday is the beginning of a week that we call Holy Week. Holy Week is also known by another word. It's, it's called Passion Tide or Passion Week. And it's the week in which we consider this passion of Jesus Christ. Did, you, did any of you think that it was a little bit odd when that movie came out, that Mel Gibson movie? Did any of you think that it was a little bit strange that it was called The Passion of Jesus Christ? Because the way that we use passion normally in our everyday language doesn't have anything to do with what Jesus was doing in that movie. If you just kind of look around at the way that you normally use passion, that word, it usually means that you feel something very strongly, but it doesn't necessarily mean what it means in that movie. And part of that is because of our Bible translations. Our Bible translations, interestingly enough, take a whole slew of Greek words that mean different things, like being inflamed and all sorts of other stuff, and they translate them all into the word passion. And interestingly enough, the way that they use that word passion has to do with a passion that is in my neighborhood. In my neighborhood, there is a place just down, if you drive down uh, Monroe Street, you'll see there's a, a, a store. And that store calls itself Passions. It doesn't have anything to do with Jesus, by the way. It's what we would politely call an adult novelty store. But that doesn't have anything to do with what this week is all about. Instead, what this week has to do with is the Greek word... Pasco, which interestingly never gets translated as passion. But it's why we call this week Passion Week. What it gets translated into rather, and it's probably a better translation than passion anyway, the way that we use it in our English language, what it gets translated into is the word suffering. That fits That fits for Holy Week. For the week that begins here. For the week that begins with people laying down palm branches and cloaks and shouting, Hosanna, this is the King, this is the Messiah, this is the one that we want. And just in a few days, shouting out, Crucify Him. Crucify Him. That passion has a lot to do with vulnerability. Quite frankly, it almost has everything to do with vulnerability. If you think about it, what we are thinking about during this Holy Week is the fact that we killed God. Let that sink in for just a little bit. We beat God. We spit in God's face. We took God, stripped Him naked, and put Him on top of a cross. If He's really God, 
He had to let us do that. He had to come to us as vulnerable. Vulnerable on the night that He was born in that manger in Bethlehem. Vulnerable for all of the time that He was walking around Judea and Galilee with His disciples. And finally vulnerable this week where he was vulnerable before those crowds that were shouting Hosanna and vulnerable in front of those crowds that were shouting crucify him. And vulnerability scares us. For some of us, it might scare us even more than physical pain. Some of us might think about the beating that Jesus received and said, that's fine, maybe I could do that, but not the level of vulnerability that he had in front of everybody. Because I don't like being vulnerable. Our text this morning from Isaiah talks about a prophecy, a prophecy of Jesus Christ. Isaiah is writing down about this Jesus Christ who is about to stroll into Jerusalem several hundreds of years in the future. And Isaiah has this to say about him. He says that he basically is vulnerable to all of those people. That he is vulnerable and that he gives his back to those who would beat him. That he allows people to pull out his beard. That he allows people to disgrace him and spit in his face. He's vulnerable to that kind of treatment. And that's what we're most afraid of when it comes to vulnerability. We're afraid that someone will take our vulnerability and betray us. We're afraid to stand naked in front of another person because we're afraid that we would hear them giggle. We're afraid of letting them know about that criminal record that we have because we're afraid that they'll just see us as a walking mugshot. We're afraid of being vulnerable in front of people because we know that people have this tendency to betray. And we've probably seen it in our own lives with people that have betrayed us. In seventh grade, there was this girl, a bunch of other girls told me that she liked me, and so I wrote this little little short love letter to her saying, hey, would you go out with me? Well, she didn't even know I existed, basically. And I sent the note across the room via a bunch of different people. And, of course, the teacher intercepted it. And that teacher, Mr. Snyder, I forgive him, (laughs) took my note and read it in front of the whole class. And that hurt. That was a betrayal, but it wasn't quite as bad as the next hurt that came. When she looked at me from across the room and said 
actually mouthed, I don't like you. We're afraid of that vulnerability. And maybe your story of vulnerability is a lot more poignant than mine is. But you know what it feels like to be betrayed when you are vulnerable in front of someone else. And maybe you even know what it's like, and probably you know what it's like, to betray someone in their vulnerability. To laugh at them. To talk behind their back. To disgrace them. To spit in their face metaphorically. And to, this one's a little bit harder for us to understand, to pull out their beard, which was not only a measure of pain, but a measure of disgrace that would last forever. Or at least for a long time. Yeah, we've done those sort of things. We know what it's like to be vulnerable, and we know what it's like to take somebody's vulnerability and to exploit it and to betray them. And Jesus knew what it was like to be on the receiving end of that. As he died upon that cross, thinking back to the moments when people were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What great praise. And just a week later, they're wagging their heads and deriding Him and making fun of Him and beating Him and spitting on Him and bowing down to Him mockingly. He knew what it was like to be vulnerable in front of us. And He knew what it was like for us to take advantage of that. And yet he stayed vulnerable even to the point of death. And he does that for a reason. He does that so that he can take our shame upon himself. He took that sense of shame that we have in knowing that we are sinners, that we do bad things. There's a difference between guilt and shame. And it's essentially this. Guilt is what you feel when you know that you have done things wrong. It's actually a healthy thing to feel. Shame is unhealthy because shame tells you that because you have done things wrong, you are a bad person. And that's how you should feel every time that you sin, every time that you take somebody's vulnerability and you betray it. But Jesus comes into your life and washes you clean of that shame and says, I'm taking your shame with me up naked on that cross and as vulnerable as I can be to God and to you. So that you can say the next part of what Isaiah has to say. If you would take that little celebrate insert that you have and look at what this suffering servant gives you to say. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for you, verse 7, The Lord God helps me. Therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I, shall, I know that I shall not be put to shame. 
as you exit this building, as you go about living your Holy Week, understanding that your sins are what put Jesus upon that cross, know that He did it for you so that you could say these words that we're going to say together right now. Verse 7. The Lord God helps me. Therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint. And I know that I shall not be put to shame. Amen.